0: Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane.
1: Well, I'm glad you guys decided to join us again. Last week I had my good friend Tom Mooney on, who's chaplain out at the mission. And has been there for over 20 years. And so we had a pretty good discussion last time. We talked about a lot of things that people may not understand, including the fact that there are reasons that we do and don't do. Oh, for instance, like we talked about tents. We don't hand out tents because we don't want to minimize the opportunities to tell people about Jesus Christ. We certainly want to feed them, clothe them, house them in the wintertime, do those things. But, uh, we don't want to make homelessness so easy that it gives them no incentive to try to get help or get off the streets, the streets, regardless of whether you got a tender or whatever, that is not the place that we should be living day by day without any point to it, not working, not doing anything productive, uh, and of course, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's really no place for you to be accepting uh, where God has placed you. And that includes a job, uh, doesn't matter how fancy a place. But regardless of that, I was also talking to one of our chaplains, Victor, today as I gave a tour. And one of the things that we, you really need to have as a heart measure to work at the mission, to volunteer at the mission, is that you are dissatisfied with people not knowing who Jesus Christ is. You reach a point where you see people who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you know that their eternal destination is hell— and if you can, if you're okay with that, if you just can look at people and say, well, I got my ticket punched for that, then there's something wrong with your walk with Christ because you should look at every single individual as, as either a, a brother and sister in Christ or a lost person that needs to hear about uh, your faith and about Jesus Christ. So, Tom, you... Uh, we were talking uh, last week a little bit, and we kind of got sidetracked, which is fine. I always figure God is sidetracking us, but we were talking about the fact that over the course of years, there's been many men that have come on the program, and then they have decided, despite everything that they heard, to go back out, walk a path that led not only to the destruction of their body, and but we don't know uh, where their spirit was either, right?
2: That's right, Pastor.
1: If you remember, uh, one of our guys, they found his wallet out in the desert, and that gentleman is no longer with us either?
2: That's correct. So many of them. Yep. So many of them have died in their addiction. They heard the words of Christ, but, but their sin nature and their weakness dragged them out. And, and, and they died in their addiction. Uh, it's, it's so sad because when you come to the mission, uh, you may not understand it when you get there, but we promise to love you. Mm-hmm. We promise to, to be devoted to your well-being. We promise to care for you. And when they walk out for whatever reason, that doesn't change. We love them just as much. Maybe even pray for them more, oh yeah, than, than when they were here, and, and when they go out and, and they and they fall in their uh, addiction, uh, all I can say is that we're wounded.
1: Yeah, uh, I remember one of the guys who got chance after chance after chance, not just from us, but he would violate the law. They'd drag him into court. They'd be angry at him, and he would say, well, I'm not going to do it again, and I had never seen a guy get so many reprieves from a judge. Well, that all ran out on him, and uh, he continued to play those games, and now my understanding is he's no longer here, that he also died. I remember when the parole officers came to pick him up and they were so angry because he had decided he'd wait till after hours, violate the distance of his parole because they have a perimeter, and, uh, and then call up and leave a message saying, oh, by the way, I have to go outside the circle. It would have been one thing if he'd have asked his parole officer, but he decided to violate it and then make it as if he couldn't get a hold of him. That was the last straw for the parole officer when he showed up with four or five other parole officers. But even at that, he wound up getting back up, not serving the time that he was supposed to, and he didn't learn from it. He died in his addiction. He died in his addiction. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a, it is such a sad thing when people are given so many opportunities, don't misunderstand, we as believers are given opportunities all the time, and we violate too. But, you know, to just walk away and ignore the salvation that Christ offers is, how can you even say you ever believed?
2: I know, Pastor. That's the the deceitfulness of sin.
1: That's right. They think they need what
2: their life used to be about, not what their life is about. The Bible says that the dog returns to its vomit.
1: Yeah, uh, that's exactly correct. And, and you know, Paul David Tripp put it, keying in on what the Bible says, that we have a, a want. And then we think our want becomes a need. And then when they we have that need, we believe we can't live without it. And then if God doesn't give it to us, we start to blame God. And what does the Bible tell us? That where do where do quarrels and things happen among you? And it walks down that very list of, of you turn what you want into some overwhelming need and then— worse it does bring death because you start to worship the thing you're following it all
2: comes back to idolatry doesn't
0: it
1: every time
2: it all comes back to idolatry which is my god identified it as deadly from the start and and it works through churches and it works through christians and we have to guard our hearts
1: yeah, that's exactly correct, because the bottom line comes down to people will say to you, if you do a sermon and you've done many on them on idolatry, the common person sitting out there will go, Well, oh, this isn't for me. I don't I'm not an idolater. I don't worship a golden calf. Really? Hmm. Maybe we should examine what worship and what idolatry really is. So you can't ever make it to church because you got to make more and more money. Guess what? You got an idol. You have to go out drinking and you have to do this. You've got an idol, and that idol is growing in your life all the time. You better be careful. So, idolatry doesn't have to look like a golden calf or a stone idol. It's of the heart, isn't it?
2: Whatever gets all your time and your money is your idol.
1: It's that That's Right. Easy. Can good things become idols?
2: Absolutely. In fact, they're more dangerous than, than bad things. A, a home, a wife, children, a job, uh, production, anything can become an idol because right. of our sin nature, the only thing we do well is make idols.
1: Yeah, we do that pretty well, huh? Yes. And we can do it of everything.
2: Of everything.
1: You know, you can have your favorite sports team and it becomes an idol. To your point, as much as you are told and commanded to love your wife, your wife can become an idol. Wives, your husband can become an idol. Yes, you're supposed to respect your husband and do those things, but that's a far difference between placing that man or that woman on the throne that belongs only to God.
2: Right. That's where God identified himself as Jehovah Kana, the mm-hmm. jealous God. But that's also a wonderful thing, to think that God is jealous about you. Yep. I mean, what are you worth to him if he would become jealous about you? If people could just grow to understand how much God loves us and, and, and what God's intention was. When he made Adam and Eve, he walked with them. In the cool of every evening. And his intention is to live with the people that he's created. And he That's what he wants. Yes, ultimately he
1: will. And he lives in his believer today. Amen. You know, to your point, uh, when we are idol-making, you know, and we do it, and we take good things and we cause them to become idols in our lives, and they can sneak up on us— I hate to tell you this, but even your church can become an idol. Absolutely. If you don't come to worship the living God at that church, but come and it is the church that has supplanted God, you have made an idol out of something very good. You know, don't worship your pastor because he's not worthy of your worship. I don't care how good he is. He's not worthy of your worship because he's as flawed as you are. To your point, God walked in the cool of the garden uh, with with his people. I heard a very prominent woman that we all know. Uh, she said that I was a believer. I, w- well, I went to a Christian church when I was a child until one day I heard the pastor say that he was a jealous God. And she said, what's he got to be jealous of me about? Well, young lady, the reality is you totally misunderstood what he said. You totally listened to the words and never got into the depth of the meaning. What you said is absolutely correct. To think that God would be jealous, not of me, but for me. Okay, so if I'm married, my wife went home to be with the Lord, as did Pastor Tom's, but If you have a wife or you have a husband and somebody were to come in between that relationship, if you're not jealous of that, there's something wrong with your relationship. I am not going to allow another man to come in between my relationship with my wife. I don't don't have a wife anymore, but you know what I mean. And so now turn that around. The omnipotent, omnipresent, Holy God loves you so much, he says, I'm not going to share you with another idol.
2: I want your eyes on me.
1: That's right. So, not jealous of you, jealous for you. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it is beautiful, because to imagine that God would love me in a, a whole greater way than I can love anybody else, uh, that's an amazing thing, isn't How it? How wonderful
2: is love like this.
1: Yep. Yep. You know what? Uh, that's why I tried to explain to somebody that I know very well uh, that, you, you know, I said, quit, quit thinking about the differences in our denomination at this point, but just let me ask you a question. What are you relying on for your eternal salvation? Is it something of stone? Is it a rock? Is it a piece of wood? Is it a person? Is it Anybody besides Jesus Christ? And I said, is it religion? I said, because religion, to Tom's point earlier, religion never saved anybody. Only relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, so what are you relying on? Because I got news for you. Somebody else is not going to be able to pray you out of hell or make amends for you and you said this earlier too, we have a great high priest that intercedes with us before the Father. Hallelujah. And when the devil declares us guilty, he declares us righteous. He not only forgave us, he took his own righteousness and imputed it to us. Isn't that ah, glorious. Is amazing.
2: There is therefore now no condemnation right. for those who are in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. for the law Of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did that's right God did what we could not do through religion and he gave us a righteousness even the righteousness of Jesus Christ
1: and when you take an amazing individual But human, like Paul, Mm -hmm. the apostle, who says, in essence, the things I want to do, I do not do. But the things I do not want to do, this I do. Oh, who will rescue me from this body of death? And we go, yeah, that's a good question. Well, Paul doesn't usually just leave us there. So he answered it. So how was it? What That ending statement, oh, who will rescue me from this body of death?
2: Oh, wretched man that I am. Uh There is therefore no it's through Jesus Christ. That's right. That's what it says, through Jesus, through Jesus Christ, Christ, and then rolls into the great uh, Romans 8.1.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's why we said earlier on the last show that when you come to Romans 1.16, why well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is power unto salvation for all who will believe, for the Jew first and then for the Gentile, right?
2: It's wonderful. It's rest God calls us to come and rest. Religious and religions tell us, come work harder, do more, bind yourself to God. Feel guilty if you're not doing your best. Keep going, keep begging. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. finished." Mm -hmm. He did the work and anyone who's tired and anyone who needs rest, come to Jesus. Believe on the cross and his resurrection, and God will justify you on the basis of the gift that he gives
1: you. Yeah, because Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Uh, Because we find no peace in our works. Don't don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that you should go out and live a lawless, antinomian life of debauchery. I'm not saying that at all, because a true, delivered individual does not want that life That's in there. That's exactly their, right. They may struggle with sins that that they've practiced for years, but the new heart doesn't want that. That's why Paul said, "I, you know, I don't even condemn me.
2: I yeah. love the way I love the way John washed it out. Who are the wicked? They who do wickedly.
1: Yeah, it makes sense, <laughs> yeah, I mean.
2: yeah,
1: yeah. And you know, it's funny when people are always telling me, "Well, we're all God's children," and I tell them, "Well, no, we're really not all God's children. We are all God's creation. Only when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ do you become His child." Said, "Well, God loves He. There's no room for hate in Him. There's no room for." For hate, as you understand it, or I do, maybe, but he said, "God hates uh, wickedness and those that are evil, and those that do evil."
2: And did you know Jesus bore the hatred
1: of, of all God, mankind of God against sin, on the, the wrath cross. of God? Yes, the,
2: the the righteous indignation and wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. He took our sin and gave us who believe is righteousness. Amen. It's not our own righteousness. It's something you can rest in, something you can agree with, God. Yes, God, it is finished. You have finished my salvation. You are the author and the finisher.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, that is exactly correct. And so we just need to understand that Within ourselves, we have no capability. Like you said, I heard a very prominent religious person that has died. And she said, I hope that I have done enough good works to merit heaven. And she's done tremendous good works. But the reality is, if she was sitting in front of me and asked me that, I'd say, well... I got good news and bad news. The bad news is, no, you haven't earned, you haven't done enough good to earn salvation. The good news is, that's not what it takes to earn, you don't earn salvation. One of our guys came up to me and he said, I think he was trying to, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he said, so, do you believe that, uh, the walk of faith is a meritocracy? I said, no. no, You don't? I said, no, of course not. You don't merit your salvation. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons we want to give thanks uh, every day is because the deeper you walk in the faith, the more you realize how you never could have earned it.
2: That wonderful quote, that the only thing I contributed to salvation was my need for it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's true. Huh? That's true. Uh, and in that same thing, if you think that God's dependent on your works, you got to remember that one of the other saying was uh, that the only thing made by man that's going to be heaven is the nail-scarred hands. Because, you, you, you know, okay, God, you can start me, but I'm going to finish me. No, you're not. No, you're not, because if you're going to do that, you're not going to finish. And yet the Bible tells us very clearly, and I believe in the perseverance of the saints, that those that are called by God will continue to persevere, even if they walk away for a season. And I'm not talking about renouncing God. I'm talking about living in sin and doing something. They will come back if they are truly born again. Now, I don't know, I have never met anybody that I know of that flat out said they were a believer, then said they didn't want anything to do with it and didn't believe in it, whoever came back. I. Right. Sinners, yes. People who wanted to go off and commit adultery or do something, standing, feeling the conviction of their sin, who came back. Yes, I've seen lots of that. But somebody who just decided they would, in your face, God, turn away, never met one of those guys. Yeah, not not
2: believers.
1: Because it says that, you know, uh, they had a form of godliness, right? Denying the power thereof. Yep. And so they proved that they were not of us.
2: They were not with us.
1: So, yes. Yes. And so you can dance around the firelight of Christianity, right? So many people do. Sure. You can go for the social aspect of it, the moral aspect of it. I want to go to church and and uh, be part of something. That, that doesn't make you a believer. No, it doesn't. And, but, and
2: the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't preached in a church. It's more like a country club.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's just going to be a feel-good sermon to get you from Sunday to Sunday, that's that's not preaching. That's why
2: I appreciate those faithful pastors in every church Amen. who Me are too. bowing their knee and crying out to God for a message right. to stir those people God's entrusted to his care. We have to thank God for the faithful pastors around us because you and I both know after pastoring as long as we did that is a long and, and sometimes a very hard road.
1: After I uh, left the church that I have pastored for many years, um, I believed it was time for them and for me. And I still love them and they love me and that's great. I, I, I love that. I visit churches and I don't wear anything that identifies me as with the mission because I like to see how the church responds to people. And uh, I also like to hear what the people are saying and the pastors. And yes, I'm going to join one. And I just got the signal we're out of time uh, from my dear friend Steve. So, Pastor Mooney, way before you leave, I want you back on the show. But as for now, my dear friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.